In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bolkeman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 365. That's right, we're back. Uh, I say we're back. It's I guess for the listeners, it's almost like we didn't miss a beat, huh? <laughs> I know, but it seems that I, I realized that even when I wrote up when I when I was writing up last week's episode and said uh, we're still recovering from uh, from the from the JLMA blackest night thing and i'm thinking well technically well we already did the godzilla thing afterwards right and right <laughs> and, then, and then so i'm thinking well it's not as much of a recovery but it just seems like it just kind of seems like it because so much of so much of the planning pro- the planning stage and everything leading up through may was all built around that so it just seems like we needed a break no matter what oh yeah and of course from my side of things everything has been hell and hell in a handbasket that's right chad is did his best not to be homeless no, not recording from the dumpster on the corner tonight. Oh yeah, like, uh, and I'll just share it with you guys so you don't, so you know what we're talking about here. I, uh, I, uh, I had to move recently, um, and it's, uh, basically, they're, they're the way the way I live. I have I have roommates, but we're all on our own individual lease. I just moved into a new place. I, I don't I don't remember what the old old rent was. They forced me to move into a smaller place. My rent is like five seventy five a month, everything included. Um, but you know, you live with other people. It's on a you know sketchy side of town, town or what you know whatever. So May fifteenth, I'm told in an email very nicely that I have until June first to renew my lease if I want to continue living there. Okay. All it says is, do you want to renew your lease? It has says nothing about you have to change apartments. May 24th, I get a strongly worded document, printed document on my door that essentially says the verbiage, we don't want you to renew your lease here anymore. And by the way, your lease ends July 24th. So basically saying, get the hell out of here. I go down there the next morning to figure out what the hell is going on. And I'm told that nobody's responding to the email that they sent so corporate decided that they should be sending out this letter to get people to respond. So I'm like, so corporate told you to lie and scare the piss out of everybody is essentially what you just told me. But okay, what's going on? And then they say, oh yeah, by the way, your particular layout, because it was two, is, is a three bedroom, but there's a master and I was paying for the master and the two other roommates shared a bathroom. They were going to do something different with that layout and weren't going to do the roommate matching thing anymore. So... I have I can't I can't be there anymore. If I want to continue living in this complex, I either have to my two choices are move out July 24th, which I was completely unprepared for, 
or change the apartment, like move to a different unit in the same complex. Okay, I decided to do that because I don't have, I don't know, uh, like two months is to me not enough time to find and research a new good place to live. So it's like, all right, whatever, I'll just renew, we'll be fine. I got a couple of months to save up some money to pay some movers because I'm 32. No one asks their friends and family to move them when they get older like that anymore. Nobody does the whole pizza and beer thing anymore. (laughs) Then on the 30th, five days later, I get a note on my door saying, congratulations, you're transitioning into a new apartment. Your move-in date is June 7th. (laughs) So I went from... May 15th, being told in an email very nicely, very short, hey, we, uh, if you want to renew, you need to do it by June 1st, to being forced into a smaller apartment on June with a move-in date of June 7th. <laughs> and that's not even enough time for me to save up money to pay a mover, so I have to – Mind, mind you, you guys all know as listeners, Mark, you know, my back's been out. I've been going to the chiropractor for a long time, so I can't move diddly squat, and I don't have any time to save up for movers, so I have to ask friends and family to come essentially not only help me move, but essentially do it for me into a third-floor apartment in June in Texas. <laughs> so that's what I've been going through. <laughs> Oh, stop complaining, Chad. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> one, one, one. <laughs> oh, it's it's a nightmare. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm finally getting enough mobility a little bit back in my back so where I can start unpacking. Um, so I'm starting to make this place my own and we'll we'll see how how much I settle in. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been a nightmare uh, over on my side of the aisle, guys. <laughs> Uh, but nobody cares. Uh, I am. Uh, we we're, we're here to talk about Green Lantern number eight. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Green, the Green Lantern, which is right in, right in Mr. Bolkeman's wheelhouse. That is correct. Um, now I, I, I feel like you've answered this for me a dozen times, uh, especially on the episode where of uh, the Green Lantern Green Arrow, where we, you you were on with me, and um, it was Ryan that was on as well, right? Correct. And we were talking about the iconic drugs issue. So have you – remind people if they maybe didn't listen to that spinoff episode. What's your experience with the classic Green Arrow, Green Lantern run? Not much. I know I know okay. of it. I know of it anecdotal, anecdotally. I know of the importance and the relevance thereof. But I am not that familiar with it overall. But you did read it for the, yes, the two issues we went over for that. Uh, remember some of the imagery and some of the stuff we talked about. So this is this is a good place. So we're gonna we're gonna do and we'll make some references later on. But the Green Lantern, the Green Lantern Green Arrow team reunited against the terrifying new menace on our streets. And the title of the story on the on the cover is Space Junkies. <laughs> I have a damn <laughs> alternate cover. Uh, what is the alternate cover? A towel with a green sword. Uh, yeah, the digital doesn't have that. It usually shows me. It sucks. Trust me. <coughs> I, but hmm. I, I'm, I was picking. I was picking up this issue so late. I when I, when I picked it up today, I didn't even bother looking to see if he had any more of the original. I as soon as I saw the cover, I said, "Oh, this sucks." But I just said I wasn't going to be bothered, you know, to go look for the the, the more acceptable right. mainstream mainstream uh, cover. 
So uh, we open up uh, on Hedea Maxima, and this is a planet where uh, murder has become uh, – killing has become a part of uh, the culture. It's not, it's not illegal, but more of a uh, – as the Guardian states here in sort of some narrative uh, text, a evolutionary adaptation – because honor killings maintain a stable population and spare individuals of the de- degenerative horrors of old age. So that's how they sort of view killing. It's just sort of commonplace. Um, a uh, demon-looking being um, tells people he wants the uh, glory gold to um, kill, be killed, and he hires someone to do that. Um, by the name of um, Mr. Azomoza, uh, something like that. As Momza, yeah. As Momza. Uh, and it turns out Glory Gold has fled to the planet Earth. Oh, why is he upset at Glory Gold? Uh, the Glory Gold has uh, taken his uh, customer base, um, this new high, to another planet. Um, so he says. Uh, I want you to, uh, Mr. Asmamza, I want the whole planet whacked. Um, and he says it's the planet's soil. You know, <laughs> play on the Earth. I, I earthed uh, my pants! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, over on Earth, uh, particularly in Star City, uh, we come across some guys in an alley doing a back alley deal. Uh, they say there's no money exchanging hands, to which Oliver pipes up in his little homeless garb. Well, if there's no money, then there's no crime, and uh, how do I justify to kick your ass? He takes the buyer, sticks him to the wall, takes care of the dealers, uh, along with Lantern's help, uh, and uh, uh, they try to get the try to figure out what is going on. Uh, and with this situation where who's the buyer, who's the dealer, who's the supplier, you know, just try to figure out the chain of everything. Catch, catch um, the day, Chad. Do it. No, I'm not going to do, do it. it. Do it. Do it now. Catch well, the day. Catch yeah, the day. <laughs> yeah, Ollie says catch of the day. At least do it in Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. And it says catch, K-E-T-C-H-A-F-F-D-E-R, day. And it's just like – Catch if you were to spell day. out Arnold's, if you were to spell out Arnie's like, uh, you know, um, diction, that doesn't seem like Arnie specifically. Not the dur, not so much. Yeah. Catch up the day. Well, maybe if you say it that way, I guess the dur. If, if you don't, if you just don't say dur, catch, yeah. catch up the day. Yeah, I guess. But yeah. yeah. I thought uh, of you, you though when I read that part. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they go to try and take care of the um, the uh, the buyer, and he is seeing nightmarish, twisted renditions of of Hal and Oliver. Um, they think he has died. Um, they put him on a respirator, take him to the hospital, cut to Ollie's apartment while Ollie is making his famous chili, and they're sort of catching up on old times. Um, um, and after catching up, and I'm sure we'll go over this in sort of the recap stuff, um, they ask, you know, what, what what's in this jar here that the buyer was trying to get? Um, why did they anesthetize him? The ring uh, reads the, inf- the contents of the jar as active, informational footprints, bioelectric, auric field traces, echo personas, 
And Hal interrupts, says, souls, Ollie. Extraction hurts, hence the anesthetic. So they're basically trading in souls. Um, they go to the port, to the docks, to figure out, you know, what, where's the source of all this coming from. Um, uh, Hal has created a, a construct Pegasus for uh, Ollie to ride. They go down and they see that the uh, one of the warehouses on the port has been impaled by a gigantic arrow, green arrow. And they talk about how it reminds them of old times. And Hal says something I, I laughed at. This is exactly the sort of thing you would build when you had money to burn. The aeroplane. Talk about death traps. I love flying that <laughs> aeroplane. <laughs> Uh, and then they go in. They notice a giant, um, a giant uh, Robin Hood hat, like Ollie wears. Um, they stumble across the shipment being loaded up of the souls. They come across a giant green hand, which is connected to a giant green arrow, who Ollie recognizes as Zine Arrow X E E N. Uh, how? Tries to figure out what that means. Uh, Ollie says uh, Speedy and him ran into him a long time ago, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, and Zine communicates te- telepathically, but Hal can't hear it. Ollie can. Gets his lowdown of what's going on. Zine's belt uh, that helps him, you know, kind of adapt to our reality. Uh, he's from a place called Dimension Zero. Um, since uh, the belt is broken, uh, essentially what is happening is he's too heavy and slow in our, in our world and his lungs are being crushed by gravity. So Hal and Ollie have to deal with the problem at hand. This is when glory gold shows up, uh, and uses his, uh, sirens to sort of possess and freak out, uh, Hal and Ollie. They act, uh, against each other, fight against each other. Also hallucinating. Um, meanwhile, as Mamza is on earth is on the moon, taking aim at glory gold. Uh, and since, you know, glory gold's on planet earth, he's just going to destroy earth in general. Um, Hal's trying to tell, uh, glory gold, they're going to assassinate him from space. And he's like, which only she goes to show how important I become. Because again, this is the kind of a way of life for these people. Zine tries to tell, uh, Ollie how to deal with the situation by pointing at his bow. Hal creates a construct hand to grab the arrow, the giant, arrow and the giant bow aims it towards the moon and uses Ollie's help to get the aim spot on. They, uh, shoot the, uh, uh, as, as Mamza, um, and he blows up on the moon, uh, and he can't, uh, take out glory gold. And then another fist construct fist shows up and punches him through space. Um, the belt, uh, is a wreck, so they can't do anything to help save Zine. But then Zine Lantern shows up, uh, and I guess I guess teleports Zine Arrow away. Hal and Ollie are still feeling the effects and kind of bickering at each other. Um, but uh, then they kind of uh, after it all wears off, they embrace. Hal says, uh, "There's a planet he hasn't been to for a while. He's got to go back to his thing." And uh, <laughs> As he watches his friend take Emerald Flight, Oliver Queen feels a lump form in his throat, a lump that swells to a rising tide of polychromatic mystery bile. And for Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, that at that moment in that city, in a divided country on this mixed-up planet Earth, the ensuite bathroom seems oh, so far away. <laughs> uh, then back over on uh, whatever the hell this planet was. I forget its name already. Uh, 
Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, the as as Mamza has made it back, uh, and uh, he's apologizing, the bro, and bro then tour, he gets his Rotor is that guy, by the way, the red. Guy. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, apologizing to Rotor, and uh, his head explodes in the process, and he says, "I said a, a good man, you loser." Uh, she's feed it to the dire, dry, dire fish. You try something new, and uh, then you can see behind him. Uh, looks like <laughs> he's drinking a cup of coffee. It's Sinestro in his classic purple and black uniform uh, saying, well, as the saying goes, the better the devil you know, especially when there's hell to pay. And next, the Green Lantern of Earth 20 guest stars in The Day the Stars Fell Down. they got to get Sinestro back in a Sinestro Corps uniform. <laughs> I know it's a nice change of pace, but I, after all this time seeing him in his Sinestro Corps uniform, it's like it's so jarring seeing him not. <laughs> yeah. uh, Zine Arrow, by the way, I just want to get out of the way. Um, he's from Dimension Zero. Uh, he's large, just as you see him here. Took place in an early, early, early rendition of Green Arrow stories. We're talking back when Green Arrow looks like uh, – more like Robin Hood than the Neil Adams version, like a classic, classic Green Arrow. Uh, nothing more to really unpack there. Uh, it wasn't seen very much afterwards. So, um, but uh, what are some of the things you noticed about this issue in terms of uh, callbacks to the the stuff that you have read with uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow? Oh, I like. I mean, other than the fact that it's about drugs. Damn it, Chad. No. <laughs> I'm done, man. <laughs> I, I like when they're at Ollie's apartment or whatever, and it's like, this is an original Adams, right? So that was one. Mm-hmm. That was the one that stood out. Um, let's see. Well, obviously, the th- I, I kind of like the reference to the giant hand and saying, like, you know, not all the big, gran- big green hands are for me or, <laughs> or mine. <laughs> Uh, that that was that was just a nice touch, just in general to the, to your classic Hal, let alone your Hal and Ollie, which is which is so funny because of course Hal does make a giant fist later on in the, in the story. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have it both ways, Hal. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm trying. Those 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 are the ones that grab grabbed me the most, and the uh, besides, it's just kind of like a little bit of their bickering when they were both on drugs. Or they were feeling the effect, it's like, uh, or being the sirens. Mostly the sirens, is like, like I don't need the ring to whoop to kick your, to kick your ass and all this stuff like that. <laughs> but, right. but for the most part, that's that, and the art style reminded me a lot of that. I think the art style, especially Oliver, it just reminded me a lot of of that era. Yeah, he's 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 aping Neil a lot more here. I mean, there have been moments throughout this series where Liam Sharp's art has reminded you, you a lot of of uh, Neil Adams' artwork, especially a panel or two. But it, you know, when you do a Green Lantern Green Arrow team up, it's about drugs. Uh, your your art in certain places before has already looked a lot like Neil Adams. They're specifically doing this in a uh, way to sort of call back to that era of Green Lantern, the 70s and the 80s, like. I mean, how how can you not just kind of purposely turn up your aping style a little bit more? Um, one thing I noticed in particular, it's a very clever use to pull in Zine because it gives you the opportunity because not only do does this uh, buyer towards the beginning of the story start tripping out and seeing distorted versions of Hal and Ollie, you also have these the Zine characters sort of speaking to each other in the in the background of this watching all this going on so like 
they're already in our dimension trying to follow this path and, and everything like that. And then when Hal and Ollie start tripping later on because of those sirens, you know, they see distorted versions of this themselves. And if you remember from Green Lantern 85 and 86 of the of the Neil Adams O'Neill run, uh, you'll remember that they got dosed in those stories and saw trippy versions of themselves. Remember, like there was true, like a yeah. giant. Yeah, there was a giant stretched out, wavy, distorted version of Hal in those stories. And it looks exactly like this. So it's cool to 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 do this because not only is it a callback to uh, that that uh, trippy art that uh, Neil did at the time to kind of convey the trippy nature of what's happening to them. But because that's being done, this first time that you see Zine Arrow and Zine Lantern, you're looking at them going, okay, well, I guess this must be the start of this very next panel where Hal says, I don't think he's seeing angels. Like, you, you, you don't expect that. It doesn't really quite give it away. So I think that's really cool. Yes, that was. A, I would say that's a nice touch. That was a good catch. Um, I do – I almost like – this very beginning thing where the guardian is telling us a bit about this planet for seemingly no reason. Like I almost rather the guardian be our, um, narrator. Oh, who was it? Yeah. Our narrator. But, uh, specifically was it house of mystery or house of secrets where Kane is the yeah, narrator? Yeah, that's what they would, yeah, they would, yeah, they would definitely do that in the, uh, that's it. I would say, I think it was definitely. I think it was definitely House of Mystery that they did that in. I'm not sure if, if they did that in. Uh, it's House of House of Secrets or whatever. I'm, yeah, because House of Mystery, I, House of Mystery, the Unexpected, those were the ones I read regularly. So I'm pretty sure they that they did do that in House of Mystery. Okay, so I don't think I'd want this every time some exposition needs to happen. And I don't say I want this in place of like the ring doing things. But if we were going to have like an introductory page for each one of these sort of trippy uh, Morrison uh, issues that threw us in an unfamiliar place and we needed some background knowledge on it. I would love if the first panel had like a little guardian pop up and be like, you know, in, in, in this case, and I'll, I'll just read it verbatim, uh, you know, it tells us that we're on Hadea Maxima. And it's just this guardian in, in his aura is pointing to the panels behind him saying, Denizens of Hadea Maxima have developed an elaborate system of ritual killings to maintain a stable population and despair individuals to degenerative horrors of old age. For this reason, on Hadea Maxima, murder is regarded not as an, a crime but an evolutionary, evolutionary adaptation. You may proceed. <laughs> like, I think that's a really cool – Like, maybe – I guess it could theoretically be overused or done wrong. But in this particular case, I thought it was kind of cool because they did this sort of thing in other issues in the past, especially if you're talking about them aping like the 60s, uh, the, the 70s and the 80s and trying to harken back to those – that era of DC Comics – we got this in other titles in the past, these little recaps or these little sort of almost fourth wall breaking moments where we're being spoken to as the audience. Right. 
I agree. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, I, could, I, I, it could be done wrong. No, but it could still. be. It, it threw me off for a second because I expected there to be more of it, like on the next page when I first read it. But I do, I did like it. I, certainly, I liked it as soon as it happened. I thought, yeah, that was just pretty neat. And then, yeah, I think that was. I wouldn't mind seeing that again. Yeah, I thought it was a really clever use. Um, what else? I think. Uh, I think. Okay, well, first of all, <laughs> the fact that the, he has Ollie making chili, that's great because that happens a lot. <laughs> Ollie does make chili. They reference his chili uh, a lot of times in other stories. It's uh, So there are times when Ollie makes it so hot, you know, you got to uh, – I think I, <sighs> there was some story at some point, I think, in uh, – it might have been an issue of Green Arrow. It might have been Faster Friends. Uh, I don't remember. There's some point where Speedy is like reminiscing with uh, – where Roy's reminiscing with somebody about uh, Chili and talking. I think about how Hal had had some and stuck his 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 uh, mouth under the faucet because it was so hot. I'm pretty sure that's something that, that – uh, like a story that Speedy told. So to have Hal – you know, it's, it's not too hot, but he's just drinking out of the faucet – I think that's a callback to a story that Speedy told in another issue somewhere else in the past. Nice. So um, I, I couldn't I, – I think it's Faster Friends. It might be. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah. And uh, I do – I like – that they keep talking, uh, they, 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 they reference hard traveling heroes and that we should do it again, but it's almost too on the nose. It happens here, and he says, The fact that we can even have a conversation about space vampires is exactly why I'm saying come down to Earth, get with some normal people, see firsthand the problems we're dealing with down here in the gutters. All right, if you're gonna do it, I guess you did it, we're done, it's on the nose, whatever. And then later on, in the same issue, towards the end, when they're still tripping out after everything is done and they're on that rooftop, they start talking about how Flash, I guess, was saying it. Yeah, he said, seriously, how we should hang out more. Everybody's a jackass these days and we never get time, brother. Flash said we should retrace our road trip. And then uh, Hal says, easy for Barry to say he could do the whole thing ten times on his lunch break. So they reference it twice and it's just like, uh uh-huh. I mean, unless you're going to actually do it, do we need it that much on the nose? Like, you're, you're doing great. You are you decided to team up Hal and, and Ollie again in this series that you're doing that very, very clearly is calling back to the 70s and 80s of these characters. You put them on the cover together. It's going to scream classic Green Lantern, Green Arrow team up. Not only that, you're making it a drug story. Do you need to go, we need hard-traveling heroes back twice? Yeah, I think uh, – I, I see where you're going with that. I, who knows? Maybe, they, maybe, maybe they're going to surprise us. Maybe we'll get the sequel before <laughs> – it's a little – it's much later than uh, – it's much more overdue than Blackest Night 2, but hey, it could happen. <laughs> I thought they were doing that with Deceased. <laughs> <laughs> except, except nobody seems to care. At least, Black, <laughs> at least Blackest Night people really care. To, but pro, part of the problem is DC has too much crap going on at the same time. 
uh, between that and Le- like uh, this Leviathan crap and D- yeah, DC stand and, yeah. and Doomsday Clock and what and another. That's why Doom. That's why DC is. But they've taken whatever what's, whatever goodwill was there from uh, Rebirth and they flushed it straight down the toilet. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm 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 behind on so much because of this move, and I really I really want to catch up, guys. Well, listeners out there, I really do want your input on this. I know we asked, you know, hey guys, what did you think of this issue? Let us know your thoughts. Email us, blah blah blah. And you guys never, you guys, and I'm I'm not calling you out, but you guys don't really do that. (laughs) We'd like you to. We when we when we ask you to, we are sincere. We want to know your thoughts on these issues too, so we can read them in upcoming feedbacks. But whatever, it's fine. I'd be. I'm seriously curious. Would, would you guys be interested in us just doing a general comic book discussion sort of a thing? Because it'd be one. It, it's one thing for me to be like, look, I have so many comics backed up that I need to catch up on, blah blah blah. But if I have an additional reason to read them, like, oh, we're going to cover them on the show, or we're going to talk about this or that, it gives me, you know, added oomph and added drive to purposely try and catch up because we're going to talk about something. So would you guys be interested in a general comic talk episode uh, talking about the stuff we're both reading outside of just Green Lantern, uh, our thoughts on other issues, other things going on at DC or Marvel? Because I'll say, like, I'm interested in this Leviathan thing for some reasons, but I'm also a bit ambivalent about it because I've been catching up on Netflix recently with all the CW shows uh, since those seasons have ended. And I just recently finished Supergirl and they tease that the big villain next year is going to be Leviathan. And it's like the story hasn't even <laughs> hasn't even been told yet. And we're going to go with Leviathan as our villain for next season in Supergirl. Are you telling me you were already out of material? <laughs> well, that was like that was like the Flash using what Godspeed this year, right? That's another one that that's a character well, that was bare. I mean, well, it's, it's it's not as new, but it's still pretty new. Well, yes, 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 but Godspeed wasn't the big villain. No, he wasn't. You're right, he wasn't the big villain. But but as I don't know if you watched the Flash yet, but the Flash was all over. I, I did. I've, I yeah, have I have caught up like on the Flash. It's like there were it's like there were arguably two or three big bads during the course of the same season, and most yeah. were not satisfied. True. Thank thank God for Nora, at least if because she was nice to look at. Her character was <laughs> her character was problematic. Yeah, but I'll miss her. But I'll yeah, like. Her, Sorry. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I want to catch up on. I, I do want to, you know, uh, because I, I wasn't – I was reading it as it came out for like issues one through three, and then I just decided to let it pile up. Heroes in Crisis. I know there's a lot of talk going on about that. I want to just – I want to start with issue one again and just read that at a clip and really get it so I can absorb what he's trying to do, what his goals are with that story, and then make my own commentary on it. You know, I want to read Doomsday Clock, but, you know, it's coming out too slow. You'll, you'll be talking about that in a minute. But, like, I want to read Deceased, and I'm interested in Leviathan, and I've got Hawkman issues to catch up on and Justice League stuff to catch up on. And uh, I got a lot of stuff, you know, Marvel stuff to catch up on, too. I want to catch up with this War of the Realms thing. I got a lot of stuff to catch up on. And sometimes, like... <laughs> Especially when there's unpacking to be done around here after that story I just told you guys at the beginning of the episode. I just, 
I can find so many other things to do other than catch up on my reading that I'm just going to get further and further behind. So if you guys would be interested in just like a general comic talk episode, that gives me more drive and push to like catch up on my stuff. Would you guys be interested in that? What would you like us to talk about in something like that? How would you like it to be handled? Just go down the list and talk about stuff. Are there certain things that uh, you're eager to get our opinion on? You know, things like that. Uh, Definitely write in, let us know. Yeah, people, but, uh, step up to the plate, man. <laughs> Corwin, <laughs> where the hell are you? Uh, was there anything else about this issue uh, that you wanted to talk about before we pivot over to uh, the Doomsday Clock? Um, I, I enjoyed this issue. Up when, when this when this first when this first came out, or as in being announced that it was going to come out, I was a little I was a little nervous that um, maybe I wasn't going to get as much of this because of the fact that this is not exactly as much in let's say in my in my wheelhouse as uh as it is yours right but i would have to say uh i enjoyed it it was it was pretty it only started getting wonky when we got when we started getting to the, the, the zine arrow and the zine lantern and they started pop i would say that's where i that's where i kind of got a little not in when it first happened but towards the end of the book when they were tripping out and and uh, and and Goldilocks there, who looks like the hate monger, <laughs> until he takes his hood off, of course. But uh, Glory Gold, he kind of reminded me of the hate monger with the hood, just like the other guy reminded me of uh, Mister uh, Mister what's what's his face reminded me of Darth Maul in the beginning when he's talking to uh, when he's when Azamanza is having his meeting with Brotor. It, when you just see his face, he kind of reminds me. He's got that Darth Maul look. But it was good. I I, I enjoyed it. I do. I'm not gonna lie. I think I've kind of liked the way they've gone with more, the like the one-off issues lately, and the fact and just generally, even when they haven't been one-off issues, they've been so they've been straightforward. So I would have to say the way Morrison's been approaching certainly like the last handful of issues here, uh, yeah. I, I like. Makes sense. All right. Well, you want to pivot over to uh, Doomsday Clock? Yeah, I want to pivot. I want to pivot ever so briefly because uh, I finally picked up Doomsday Clock number ten today. Um, <clears throat> and and Doomsday Clock and and obviously those who follow us on Facebook know that you know I've I've made quite a we've I mean we talked about it on the show, but I've made quite a few posts l- lamenting and that's being re- very kind the fact that this book has come out on such a horrible release schedule. <laughs> That you know, and no matter how we slice it, we're getting close to two years for a twelve-issue story, uh, which is which is pathetic. <clears throat> now it, it's on pace, knock on wood, to be less than two years, but it's not going to be by much. I mean, we are in June already. <laughs> uh, but I have like, but I the last few issues, the story has picked up. Whether it's going to be worth the journey or not, and what the repercussions are going to be, is another story. But one of the things I did like. In this issue was, and again, this is not going to be giving away in the context of why Doctor Manhattan is saying this and the events that he's saying it, that he's ref, he, that he's referring to. But I do kind of like the fact that he, that towards the end you, of issue ten, he kind of when when he's getting some internal monologue here and he's talking about that he basically it's a moment of revelation or basically self self-understanding if you will for himself that it that he because he kind of realizes despite all his power and despite the things that he's done he realizes that he is a being of inaction 
basically directly com- opposed to who they're, of course, they're hinting at is Superman, which is he's on a collision course with a man of action. And just the way that's written, and he also goes, to this universe of hope, I have become the villain. So it kind of reminds me a little Parallax-esque. Classic, of course, Parallax-esque. But I just like that moment of of basically uh, self-analysis, self-discovery uh, by Dr. Manhattan. And for all the power that he has and the fact that he has done so many – he has done quite a few things and interfered – because that's what that's why I don't want to go into specifics, but in that last panel, he contradicts. He says, I did this as far as like a, a major event, but then he talks about how he didn't do anything when this happened. So he kind of con- – every basically every moment of action, of dramatic action or of re- relevant action that he's taken, there's been another relevant action or something maybe he should have done that he just stood by and did nothing. And he just basically – he comes to the conclusion that he is – at the end of the day, he's just a being of inaction versus – directly on a collision course with a man of action which is superman so i I just thought that was i thought that was i thought that was really good uh a really good way of of putting it and a good john's ism if you will the issue was pretty good just dealing with a lot of insight into dr dr manhattan and just also the way chronicles superman's up and down weird history of Related to the different universes and timelines, and you know when he came to Earth, and when his parents were alive, when his parents died, things like that. I don't mean the Kryptonian parents, of course. I mean his Earthbound parents. How in the different uni- in the different incarnations of his origin, and sometimes they they died when you know when he was relatively young. And as we know, like during the reign of the Superman era, his parents were you know his parents were alive. You know during the you know certainly that part of it. Uh, so I just thought that was interesting. I thought that quote, I thought that quote was pretty interesting. <clears throat> that's all yeah. alright well I did want to do two things here real quick same thing but uh, a while back uh, when we were doing the Godzilla episode I put out a question what do you guys you know what topics should we talk about you know relating to the world of comics and pop culture um, you know if you, you know if you ask us something it doesn't guarantee that we'll answer it but you know, I didn't. I didn't anticipate we were going to get th- that much out of Godzilla. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I knew I was going to talk about it. I knew Mark and I were going to go back and forth on it. I just didn't know for how long. Uh, and I said we get back to those at a later date. I don't want to keep kicking those down the road. Dan got us a question, and Ian Harrington got us a question. Uh, Mark, I think I want to take Ian's first. He because uh, I don't have any an answer to this, but given your uh, love of the movie genre, um, just in just in general uh, of the movie industry Ian just asked a very simple question favorite fan films oh i have not that's right i've not mentioned that yeah i've not seen any i've heard of some like i've heard like there's a like a rated r dark like power rangers movie out there that got me curious um you know things like that but i've never actually seen that i know of a fan film I have watched some. I have watched uh, like there's some fan films. I know there's like Michael Myers and versus uh, Jason, which actually I just I just googled fan films now just to see if anything would remind me. That I did watch that one. That was kind of that was pretty good. Uh, there are some. Let's see, I'm Darth Maul Apprentice. I think I did watch. That one was pretty good. I'm just looking at these to try to re- try to remind me of, of some of the titles on some of these things. But those those are ones I def those are ones I definitely did watch. Those two, I thought they were 
uh, that the the the, the Freddy Michael versus Jason evil emerges. I think that was the one that I was the one I'm talking about. Always thinking about. And there's and there's other fan. There's other. I've watched so I've watched a bunch of horror. I watched a bunch of horror fan films. I haven't watched as many like Star Wars fan films and th- and things like that. Those are those are off the top of my head. Those are the those were the two and Dirty Laundry. Like Dirty Laundry is kind of a, a borderline fan made one because it kind of is not. It's a little more official because it's still as Tom it's has Tom Jane playing the Punisher again, but it's kind of like unoffic- unofficially unofficially mm-hmm. uh, unofficially playing the Punisher. So so it's kind of right. so it's kind of was like an unofficial sequel in a way to his. His Punisher movie with John Travolta. It's 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 short, so it's it's a short. But I think, I think it might qualify. But obviously, it's not as typically just completely raw fan. I think fan made. But those were the ones that came to mind. <clears throat> um, I know that there was one that was announced for 2019. I think I might have brought it up in um, in uh, our films we're looking forward to this year. Oh. But I can't. I think I know. Yeah, I think I remember you mentioning that. I'm trying. I'm looking at the category on Wikipedia: category fan films based on Star Wars, and I'm trying to see if any of these, any of these, um, is it shards of the past? No, I don't think so. It's got to be something else. I don't remember. None of these are. None of these are ringing a bell. All right, whatever. Um, and then we had a question uh, from uh, from Dan, actually, uh, and it kind of goes along with his um, his new podcast. Have you have you had a chance to listen to his new show? No, I didn't know he, he was that far along. Where it was this is the one? Yeah, he's. Yeah, I didn't know he was yeah. that far along to having it up and going yet. Yeah, um, he is doing a new show. Uh, and it's a very Green Lantern based show, uh, and we'll we will have him on uh, maybe maybe well, when we do the catch up episode that I just mentioned the the uh, just what we're reading sort of a thing. If people are interested in that, we can bring him on. Uh, regardless, we need to bring him on soon, and we'll we can talk about uh, a bit about that. But it's called Mosaic, um, and he's talking a bit about uh, the industry and his true thoughts on things and. Uh, each episode I've been listening to so far seems to be, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, something like that. So you're not, uh, if you guys are looking for a new show out there and want to give it a listen, but don't, you know, think, you know, I listen to too many shows. I don't want to invest too much time. They're not very long episodes, so you can definitely get it in there and in your repertoire and, and move on from there. Um, but he did ask uh, kind of along those lines. Um, he said, is the most popular multimedia version of a character the one that quote unquote matters the most since it gets the most eyes and every other version tries to emulate it? If so, does that default to the quote unquote real interpretation of the character in that current moment? Hmm. Say say that one more time. Let me try to process it so I can come up with it. So, is the most popular multimedia version of a character the one that matters the most, since it gets the most eyes and every other version tries to emulate it? If so, 
does that default then to the real interpretation of that character in that current moment? I would have to say probably in the eyes of most people, then the answer would be yes, it would default in that moment to be what they were because that's because that's the way that's the way let's say a huge percentage of people understand the character and they wouldn't know and they would not necessarily know but if they don't have the background with the character to begin with then they wouldn't know that that's not the things that the things that they're seeing and dealing with are not part of its mythology traditionally or are always been part of its mythology so something like a late a late add-on as opposed to just like just just like we know that you know from a comic book from a comic book perspective that Wolverine's supposed to be really really short <laughs> but for people who don't who haven't read the comic books they would have no idea so they wouldn't they would that would not let's say Hugh Jackman being as tall as he is nobody would think twice if you didn't have that background of the character if you didn't know that the character wasn't being wasn't interpreted or represented in a way that you were aware of that showed that oh yeah he's supposed to be so much shorter than everybody else that you wouldn't think twice of oh yeah you'd understand the basis of the of the character you know with with the with the immune system and the, and the skeleton and the adamantium and things like that and the berserker rage that they never really gave us as that much of in the movies compared to what they should have overall but. You wouldn't. That, that would be like one characteristic of the character that you would not even think twice about if you didn't know that that was. Oh, that wouldn't. So your version, your version or your interpretation, and it's a you as in like a huge percentage of the audience would be. Oh, they wouldn't think twice about that, or they would think that's the way the character is supposed to be, uh, or how the character is supposed to look. So I would, I would. Now, if it seems like it's a philosophical question, it's like, is that the you know, is that the what the really what the character is? That's a different story. I think it's. Uh, that's that's more open to interpretation. But in that moment, is that you know, does that really become what the character is, at least to a large percentage of the people? Yeah, because that's what they that's what they're that's what they're used to. Because you always have to figure in since you're talking multimedia, you're not just talking comics, which is a relatively you know small uh, market these days. It's kind of more of a niche, uh, just fan base compared to. People who watch TV and people who watch movies and even read books, especially if you could combine all those versus comic books, that I would say, yeah, I mean, people that that's what that's what their that's what their introduction is. That's what their that's what their that's what their knowledge is. Their knowledge base is um, just what what the most popular most version or version or interpretation of the characters. So I, I, that's that's I guess how I would try to answer it. I would agree with that. That first thing, the the most popular multimedia version of the character, the one that gets that matters the most, because, I mean, what happened when 2011's Green Lantern was ramping up? Green Lantern's supposed to be black. Well, why would why do people say that? Because up until that point, the most popular multimedia version of the character was John Stewart. Um, so you know. In, in terms of the first part of this, because he says, is the most popular multimedia version of, the, of a character one that matters the most since it gets the most eyes? If you stop there, it seems like things like Wolverine, like, like you mentioned, Jon Stewart in the animated series, uh, you know, all of that, you know, it seems to prove that. If you were to continue that sentence, 
and every other version tries to emulate it. I don't know about every other version trying to emulate it. Uh, I mean, they can because it's, you know, if, especially if we're talking about TV and movies, um, then, you know, a lot of uh, it's Hollywood. Hollywood sees a successful formula. They're going to try and ape as much as that successful formula as possible to maintain the income. It, and um, it, it, it does it does happen to, I think, like when you were like, you can see the offshoot of that oftentimes when we see how we see and it's kind of like reverse too. We see how comics oftentimes when the when their the characters become successful in the movies, then they kind of oftentimes they try to change the comic books to match the interpretation, either the look or certain aspects of the character that now has become popular essentially because of the movie, not because of what's going on currently in the comics. And they try to, you can see that like with like the Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, Black Panther and different things like that, trying to capitalize on the popular incarnation or the, the most well-known incarnation. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, if you continue on, though, the second question, if so, does that default to the real interpretation of that character in the current moment? For the average person, probably. But we have history with this because – now, don't get me wrong – I agree with a lot of how with a, a lot of Jeff Johns interpretation of the Lantern universe, not just how, but other characters as well in his characterization of them. But if you were to ask the people who aren't a big fan of Johns and not just not just like the oh I hate the emotional spectrum people, but the people who are true Green Lantern fans and 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 but they just don't like the the Jeff Johns interpretation because they uh, feel like the 80s version or whatever, the way he was characterized and the stories that were told therein, that is a more complete, cohesive sort of characterization of uh, not just Hal, but the other characters within Hal's universe. And that, uh, you know, that they, they believe that maybe Jeff got something wrong in his interpretation of who Hal is as a person or some of these other characters. Uh, you know, you can always point back to other things and go, yeah, this may be the the current version of the character but to me when i think of blah 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 i really think of this so like a perfect example ragman um the 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 most recent uh six issue mini they changed a few things about the character and they changed a few things i didn't like but they kept some of the core of what made that character interesting you know you have to update him for a modern world um so, you know, changing the fact, you know, it, when he was originally part of things, he was, you know, a Vietnam veteran. Well, you can't make him a Vietnam veteran because of time. <laughs> you know, if you want a character to be of a certain age, he can't be a Vietnam veteran in your modern universe. So you got to keep moving that that needle steadily forward. Now, because of what the the kind of war Vietnam was, there was a certain air of, you know, uh, unappreciation a certain air of um, uh, I don't know what you I don't know what a good like comprehensive you know quick blurb would be, but the the idea that veterans weren't as revered or taken care of or as much of a concern to the public um, sort of a thing um, you know that that Rory had to deal with 
And they made him almost part of like a – he was part of maybe sort of the, the Middle East-Afghani conflict sort of thing. But at the same time, it also made it seem like he was part of this mercenary crew, and that sort of didn't sit well with me. But, you know, he did see some things, and he was in some, some sort of a support group as a result of his actions in a military uh, militaristic institution. So they kept that, that common thread. They kept his ties to his father. They kept the ties to rags and tatters. They kept a lot of the um, the religious stuff behind the suit. Um, but it it didn't seem like the one of the one of the things because of how Rory comes across the suit uh, and how it comes into his life. It is no longer a part of the history of Rory's family. And that was something that was really big to me because not only is this um, the the character of who Rory is very important, Rory's family is important. The fact that the um, you know the the, uh, the Golem of Prague that that whole legend and everything, you know the the um, the rabbis you know cast a spell or whatever to raise this Golem out of you know clay and protect the people and then in the DCization of this story, that was too much. So they use the same magic to create this suit, but it needed to be wielded by a person of conscience, almost kind of like there's a green lantern similarity there, you know? Um, And, you know, we need, we need someone of conscience to wield this because if, if not, things are going to go horribly wrong. Um, Like they did with the man hunters for green lantern and the golem of Prague for this story. So, the, by by getting rid of that history, you know that his father because in in um, in the nineties uh, the Pat Broderick uh, art, art drawn and the the Keith Giffen written nineteen ninety three story nineteen ninety two early nineties uh, the first Ragman series post crisis they made it a whole lot more supernatural. This is when the suit of souls concept comes in. And one of the stories and one of the issues they tell is the history of the suit and the fact that Rory's father wore the suit in the Warsaw ghetto when it caught on fire. And because not only is fire one of the weaknesses of the suit, it's also, you know, it it caused fear in his father and his father ran and abandoned his people. You know, there's a whole lot of guilt and history and the, his family's charged with this magical thing that's supposed to protect his people. And then when you talk about world war two and you know, the, the impact that that had on, on, you know, the, the people of the Jewish faith, if you're supposed to be one of the protectors of the Jewish faith and you left and abandoned them, I mean, like there's a whole lot of story that is built in the fact that this, this, this suit, this supernatural thing is a part of your specific family. And by not having that in the the new series, I felt like they lost something. So the new series, the most popular series, let's just be honest, Ragman isn't a character that people tend to remember. They go, oh, a new Ragman series. Oh, yeah, I guess that is a DC character. I guess I'll pick that up. So for a lot of people, that six-issue series was the most popular, the most current. But is that the real Ragman I'm not going to sit here and claim ownership and say, yeah, that's not that's that's not the ragman you guys should like. You're reading the wrong ragman. They need to redo it. I'm just saying when I think ragman, there are some things missing from that interpretation that don't align at all with who I think ragman is to his core. 
So. No, I get it. That makes sense. It's not so black and white. Let's put it that way. It's a, it's a pretty yeah. It's a it's a pretty deep question, no matter how you try to answer it. So. For sure. All right. Uh, I just wanted to. I didn't want to kick those cans down the road anymore. I wanted to definitely uh, give them their due diligence. And we asked with like, or I asked rather on, on social media with thirty minutes to spare, and we never ended up using them. So I wanted to make sure came through for those listeners. So. Thanks, guys. Uh, Dan, we will have you on the show soon. You can talk about uh, your, your new show, Mosaic. Guys, definitely look it up. Uh, it's, it's, on, it's on iTunes. Um, so just look up uh, Dan and Mosaic, and you should be able to find it. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Um, but uh, Dan reached out to us, and Ian reached out to us, and we did say that, hey, if you want us to do that sort of an episode where we're catching up on things – Reach out to us and let us know how you'd like to see that done or some certain topics you'd like us to discuss. So, Mark, if people want to do that and leave us some suggestions or feedback or anything like that, how do you suggest they do so? Easiest way to contact us is lanterncast at gmail.com. Website, not surprisingly, is lanterncast.com. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you leave, if you listen to us on either platform, please leave us a positive review. We are also on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Use hashtag GLCast to track us down on either one of those. And last but not least, the voicemail is 708Lantern. 708Lantern, and let us know what you think. All right. Uh, what's what's next in the pipeline? Do we have anything planned just yet? No, we have to talk. There's a bunch of, there's a bunch of possibilities. <laughs> we have to talk. <laughs> It's How dare it! Talk. It's time for the talk, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, okay, here it is. If you want to listen to Dan's new show, um, and uh, yeah, if you want to listen to Dan's new show, it is Dan's Mosaic, and you can find it if you search for all one word Mosaic Dan Podcast. So M O S A I C D A N. P-O-D-C-A-S-T, all one word, Mosaic Dan Podcast. As of right now, he's got uh, three episodes out, including <coughs> excuse me, including a zero episode. So I would definitely recommend taking some time to, uh, you know, a lot of people will pick based on titles or subject uh, matter which episodes of a podcast they listen to to get a feel for what Dan's show is about and why he's doing it, um, why there's another Green Lantern show out there, especially from one of the Founders of the Lantern Cast, I recommend listening to episode zero where it really explains in detail what his goal is and that he's not really stepping on any toes here. He's just kind of doing his own thing, something he's kind of felt felt in his heart he should be doing for a while. So listen to that episode zero, who, what, and why. His job is to put us out of business. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a singular focus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>